Okay, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 5 and 6. Looking at this thought tonight, in these last chapters, you know, as we've said in most of Paul's books, he did doctrine to start and then behaviour, how to live the doctrine later in the book. And that's what he's doing, chapter 4 through chapter 6. And um, in our relationship with the Lord, as far as that mystery is concerned, that we're tied with him, wonderful thought. And we looked at that in verses 1 to 16 of chapter 4, then chapter 4, verse 17. He's in our moral relationship, how we are to walk there. And then in his marital relationship, we've looked at that for weeks, chapter 5, verse 22 to 6, verse 4. And now in our material relationships, how we are to walk in regard to these. And this is verses 5 to 9. And let me read those. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be he receive of the Lord whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Appropriate for today, we have elections coming up, and you have one side promising this and the other side promising that and tax breaks and make it easier for the worker and so on and so forth and we promise you these dollars and that dollars and uh, vote for me <laughs> they're asking and saying <clears throat> really it comes back to the on the ground situation where you work and uh, yeah well they might get the basic wage up a bit um, <clears throat> they might put taxes down some who knows uh, they might put taxes up too for, for those that are rich. Sounds like Robin Hood, doesn't it? Take from the rich, give to the poor. And then uh, God didn't tell them to do that, but that's what they're planning. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it drives incentive down and drives debt, drives debt up, does it not? It's the use of working. You know, I know, I know a few, quite a few people that have said to me, well, if I get over this point, quit working. You go to the next bracket and you shove right back down again with all the tax. And it's, uh, the system doesn't seem to be right. Anyway, <clears throat> we're looking at this portion here. The Christian in his material relationships. Men and their masters this evening, just starting this one. The human master's claim we have in verses 5 and six let's pray concerning the ministry of the word thank you lord for your word and lord it touches on very pertinent practical parts of our life and this relationship that we all have somewhere in our life where we have a boss where we are lord laborers working or servants working as it was in the new testament and lord i pray that that our relationship with those that we work with and under or over might be biblical, it might be right, our motives might be right, our attitude will be right. 
And Lord, it makes for a very happier, a much happier workplace. Lord, I pray your blessing on the study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Who was it that developed communism and why did they develop it? Started in England. <laughs> and um, the two, Marx, Karl Marx, you know the name there, and Zig, Zig uh, what's his name? Zwiggle? How is his name pronounced? Anyway, he, they were. No, no, the one that was. Ingle. Ingle that sort of wrote about it and wrote a book about it, and these others picked out from that. But he was watching this in England and the Industrial Revolution and he said these poor wretches living worse than rats in absolute squalor and slum and they've been taken advantage of by the big industrial revolutionists and uh, he, he looked at that and said it's not right and it's not and that's dealt with here but going the other way is wrong too that's you've got to have the biblical balance as Christians and um, <clears throat> that's what turned them to doing that in, in um, saying this is wrong and that developed and thus we have these terrible systems now, uh, system that's, that in the end, what does communism do? It does the same as what the capitalism did in the Industrial Revolution. The rich get rich and they don't want the poor to get up there, so they just put them down. And you're only going to get that and that's it. And if you keep them down there, you can't get enough uh, together to rebel. And um, it, it goes on, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. When we have the millennium roll on, we'll see the f perfect industrial relationships <laughs> as that will be formed. And um, <clears throat> I think it'd be good if everybody had an opportunity to be their own boss for a little while then they appreciate the boss's point of view. Helps them to understand there's a lot more to it than him being the boss and me trying to get everything out of him. It's input that he needs from us. And this is what we find here tonight. Now let me go to by the notes, otherwise I'll be saying everything out of order. <laughs> uh, men and their masters. The human master, master's claim in verses 5. And a part of verse 6, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. So servants, right, right at the top here, in dealing with this, Paul says slaves, that's what the word there means, <coughs> servants. We don't have that in our country today, although there are those that bring in poor people from overseas, third world countries, promising them heaps, getting them in, and keeping them under their total control and pay them nothing and abuse and use them in many ways and it's just wrong. You know, you, you wouldn't think that goes on in our country, but it does. In Western countries it does and it's wrong, really wrong. In some of the areas they, they, just, they um, abuse them in. So <clears throat> the blight of the age in New Testament times, people were brought and sold like cattle. They were slaves. And you were put on a block and you were auctioned. How'd you like that? What would that do for your self-esteem? 
So it depends on the price. It depends on the price. You'd have to go, see, I'm... But they don't pay you, they pay the the boss, don't they? No, the boss pays whoever it is. And thousands, millions of Jews have... That's happened to millions of Jews in the captivities. And that's why they're scattered all over the world because they were sold... Um, they were sold by the Moabites who captured them as they were trying to take off and uh, run away and, it, and, and they were punished by the Lord for doing that and the Babylonians and the Assyrians so the Jews were scattered everywhere how would you like to think that you know, your family, your children would be put up on a block to be sold and never to be seen by you again just can't fathom how that would be to see that happen but that's what's happened in humanity for many years many years and to see your girls being sold off as yeah you know what they were sold off for and this is just was wrong but anyway paul is dealing with it here and it needed to be because there's lots of slaves around in those days more slaves than there weren't slaves Um, slaves had no rights slaves were subject to the whims of their masters were considered as pieces of property and sometimes like wives were considered the same. Slaves could be whipped, crucified and tormented, were held in the grip of relentless laws that forbid them to have anything that they could do themselves. And even in the scriptures, you know, where the Lord used that illustration in the Gospels, where he said, Okay, you've been out in the field all day working because you've got to come home and cook the master's tea and you can't stop until his needs have been met. Then you can meet your own needs. Go home and cook tea for yourself. You say, oh, how would you like to live back then? Aren't you glad you live in Western society that's been influenced by Christianity? We have what we have, and some unsaved people are waking up today. We have what we have because of the Bible, because of the Lord Jesus. Um, Spartacus, you've probably heard of him, may have watched a film about him years ago, I think they put him out, but he led a revolt, but only worsened the slave's plight. He was a slave himself. Many slaves were highly skilled because, you know, you take a Jew that's been sold, they've been captured, the whole country, taken them off, they might have been in politics, they might have been in business, they might have been in you know, economics and things like that in those days, and they were skilled and um, highly educated, some of them. They, they, some, enjoyed benevolent masters. Often slaves harboured deep resentments, and I think it'd be very hard not to. The Holy Spirit, by the word, told slaves to accept their lot. Oh, Lord, <laughs> how, can, how can I accept their shackles even if they hadn't yet been removed? Their duty to obey their masters. Now, we've got a pretty good industrial relationship going in our country, haven't we? When you think of all those things in Paul's day. Um, <clears throat> their duty was to obey their masters as it's given in verse 5, servants. And this is what Paul said, I be obedient to them, you are your masters. Now, we're going to get to the other bit when we get to it in verse 9 about the masters, particularly Christian masters and how they should treat their workers. 
but we'll, we'll get there. <clears throat> but here the, they, were, they were to obey their masters. Who was it in England that got to lead the march against uh, slavery? William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce. I was trying to think of his name this afternoon. It was always there, but it just went, but it came back. William Wilberforce in England. And um, Christian, uh, who was around the same time as he was around? John Newton. Amazing grace. <laughs> you see, he was a slave trader himself. He went and captured people in Africa and brought them back and sold them. And uh, then he was <laughs> then he was taken in by one of the guys that tricked him in and then he was sold as a slave himself. And he escaped. He got saved. And then he worked with Wilberforce to abolish slavery. Um <clears throat> Uh, we'll go back down here. Praise the Lord. The days of slavery in the West are gone from most places. But in other countries, it's not so. In third world countries. And uh, you see these earthquakes have just happened in the Philippines. You see some of the places they live in. You see places in, in India. You see when... A wife loses a husband and she's just sort of abandoned over there in India. Nothing. No pensions, nothing. And it's pretty shocking what happens there. Need to get saved, don't they? And pray for G.S. Nyers. He ministers over there to his own people. And uh, many, many churches have been started through him. It's worse for a wife to lose a husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> today... We sell our talents and time to our employer. Our skills become his for a certain time. Our talents are not ours in that time. Uh, we use them to, for him. Our employers rightly expect that we will be industrious, conscientious and cooperative. As Christians, we should have a good testimony that way. It's sad, but I know missionaries that have come to Australia that used to work in third world countries. And you know what they had? They had servants. And it does seem that they can't get rid of it out of their system because they come here and that's that way they treated Aussies. You are our servants. We tell you what to do. You jump when we say so. And I couldn't believe it. I did. I, I wasn't even prepared for that when I met some of them. And not all, not all of them, not most of them. But that's an attitude they had. They've done work here. <laughs> we live in a country that's, you know. <clears throat> and um, they get that mindset for a while. And they come back here and they're sort of stuck on their own. They have to wash the dishes and they have to do their clothes. They have to plant their spuds. They have to do, oh, wait a minute, where's my servant? <laughs> ah, <laughs> you see, when we look at this thought here, it brings about one of the main themes that we're, we often miss and that most preachers won't preach on, and that's the bond slave of the Christian life. That's what it's about. <laughs> we become the bond slaves of Jesus Christ when we become a Christian. Yes, we're the sons of God, but he expects obedience. And being taught from that position of slavery, we can under start understand we are his 
and we do his bidding. We do his bidding before we do our bidding and, and what he wants in, in our life. Um, <clears throat> so, the same principle of servants apply to believers as they did in the Old Testament times and New Test- early New Testament times. Believers are to be different from those that are not believers. We will have a different attitude. We will do it for a different reason. <laughs> the motive behind it is different. And so the, the Christian believer who works for a boss is to be obedient. Christian employees should be obedient, cheerful, loyal servants. Willing and diligent, dutiful, polite, dependable. Christian employees should not be late to work and leave early from work. Act as though you're doing your boss a favour by being at work. I'm doing you a favour, I'm working for you. The boss could say, no, I'm doing you a favour, I'm putting bread on your plate. (laughs) You see, there's a balance. Um, You're not there. If you think that way, you're probably not going to get promoted because they can see your attitude. Um, If you think that way, I would advise you to go and work for yourself for a while and employ somebody. Then you are tables completely turned (laughs) you know that you see if you get a thousand dollars a week to make it easy the boss is paying out two thousand dollars a week because he's paying superannuation he's paying insurance he's paying what's that work safe thing now he's paying all these other things out and taxes and that's in reality what it what it is so you're getting double the money, but you're not really getting it. <laughs> he has to pay that because that's the regulations nowadays and the way it, the way it works. And so you think of, if you, when you go to work, think of it like this. I'm working for myself. No, better still, and it's in the Bible here, I'm working for the Lord. I'm working for the Lord and he's looking at me. He's looking at my attitude. He knows my heart inside out. Christian employees should not cause dissension and strife in the workplace. They shouldn't gripe and complain about the conditions. Take sickies when they're not sick. (laughs) Have an attitude of slothfulness. Be uninspiring, uninterested, only there to get the paycheck at the end of the week. Have you ever been in hospital? And you're in hospital and the nurses come and tend to you. Praise the Lord for the nurses. It doesn't take long as a sick person to realise who's there for the money and who's there because they like doing nursing. (laughs) It doesn't take long at all. Um, Their attitude comes out quickly. Um, So we need to be inspiring. I was at at, um, West Track today buying, buying some oil they're over there on whatever that road is out to Thaguna yeah Thaguna Road and I uh, 
He said, oh, he, he's fumbling around. He said, oh, it's, this is not my job, I'm just here. I, can't, I had to come from Wagga. But the other guys phoned in sick. <laughs> and I said, oh. He said, yeah. <laughs> they weren't sick. <laughs> they wanted a week off. Now, it could have been, be honest. <laughs> I wanted that whole week off. You know, it's Easter and, and, and Anzac Day tomorrow. So, um, <clears throat> and and he he had to do, and he actually had to phone Wagga to to get the bill typed up and sent back by the computer, because he didn't know how to do it. He was out in the back. He was driving the forklift. Um, he was out the back. He said, "I almost didn't turn up today, because all the way down here." And he said, "You're the first customer." It was after about eleven thirty, wasn't it? Would have been after. Um, UPA, um, <clears throat> but he had other things to do, and it's you know he 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 knew we know the boss knows. Um, we'll look, Lord willing, at Joseph in a bit. So we're to be obedient, we're to be subservient, as it reads there, but obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as unto Christ. That's where we m- mentioned it. In the context, why are we to be subservient? Because we're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you do, it's in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. We are being, we're going to be rewarded for that. Whether it be a pastor, whether it be an employer, whether whatever you're doing in life, we're doing it for the Lord. That's our calling in life. We are to have absolute yieldedness to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian employee must be afraid of disobeying the Lord, not the boss. And uh, if you disobey the employer, you're disobeying the command of the Lord. That word there in verse 5, in singleness of your heart, means wholehearted dedication to the task at hand. It's the opposite to those who fight for the rights and are insolent, incompetent and indifferent. Now the Green Party is exactly all those things. It's insolent, incompetent and indifferent and fight against anything that's productive. If you vote for the Greens, you ought to be absolutely ashamed of yourself. I'm not telling you how to vote, but I'm telling you what you shouldn't do. And you're voting for a communist, anti-God... This is going over there, isn't it? <laughs> they won't use this. They won't even know we exist. But we're voting for an anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christian thing. If we ever award them, I don't know what they think. If they had their way complete in our country, we'd be all out hunter-gatherers because everything would go broke. And the system wouldn't run as it is. We wouldn't have roads. We wouldn't have machines. We wouldn't have competent people. We wouldn't have nobody could pay taxes because nobody would be earning anything, because it'd all be spent. <clears throat> and so elections coming. Let's pray for it in the near future. Ephesians six five yes means wholehearted dedication. Unions have in large in a large way done away with any respect or dedication or commitment workers may have had in the past now they've done their thing 
and they were needed to lift the situation out of where it was. But when it gets to being, and particularly the way we've got it in Australia where unions are backing a certain party and trying to get them in. It's interesting what's happening in Queensland with the Adani mine. I, the, the, the unions, or one of the unions have said, and you know, do the, do the mine or else we're going to make people vote against you. Now that's, that's a new thing. With, uh, as far as the Labor Party is concerned, but <clears throat> be subservient there in singleness of mind, doing it as unto the Lord. Be diligent, verse 6, not with eye service as men pleases, only doing our best when the boss is looking at us or is walking past, not adopting the attitude when the cat's away, the mice do play. And I learned very early at 17 years old that that's the way... It happened. That's the way it worked. Even if you owned a bulldozer and was working, the, the, the fellows would actually drive them up into the bush and park. They owned the bulldozer, they up there, park, border works, and not be seen. And the bosses wouldn't get onto them because we found out that certain ones that were working with us were paying, bribing the bosses at work, They're bribing the border works people. And uh, actually, it went to court. Dad took it to court. And when it got to the high court, we don't need you anymore, and nothing happened. None of them got prosecuted. And um, there's certain people that you pay. And one fellow was called 10% Bennett. That was his surname, and he got 10%. But what he would do so it didn't hurt you or the person that had a bulldozer that hit it in the bush, he would add a day that you didn't work. And then he'd get the day. And he's getting more than 10%. He's getting one-seventh because we work six and then seventh day a week. And it was, ju it was just wrong. And people that are Christians, people that are honest, say, what's going on here? If that was gotten rid of in our country, there would be so much more around for honest working people. And um, when you're self-employed, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Well, I pray it doesn't. Um, <clears throat> No, no, if you're self-employed. And so one of the workers that worked for Dad, he had about, uh, him and Uncle Everett had about 10 workers between them or more. And I got to know, because I was just coming into working and got to know them and worked with them, alongside them on the same jobs, fixing things, bulldozing. And we had a new fellow come on. And he was, he was in his late 40s and he was so diligent. So diligent, he even cut and polished the bulldozer. And we didn't do that, he did. <laughs> he made it look shiny after he had it for a while. <clears throat> and another one that had been employee that had been employed for quite a time was jealous. And he was a Christian too. This other fellow wasn't, didn't declare himself to be a Christian. And he said to Dad, ah, oh, a new broom sweeps clean. <laughs> In other words, he's just started the job, he's trying to impress you. But he kept on doing it for years. And you know what? Eventually he bought his own machine and we had no regrets for him. In fact, I think there was a bit of work passed his way because of the sort of person and attitude he had. He, he wasn't saying, trying to be a new broom, sweeping clean. <clears throat> and we employed his brother as well for, for years. And that fella, his brother, got a job driving a Border Works earth-moving machine. So, you see, you do the right thing 
even as a non-Christian, you're honoured in that and respected for it. I'm glad I had that experience back then, and uh, it makes it practical as you look at the scriptures. If you have a bad attitude, if you have a griping attitude, if you lead others to object and complain and grizzle and gripe all the time, don't call yourself a Christian at work. Don't tell them you come to this church either. Because I think it's a bad testimony, isn't it? Thank you. <laughs> it is. I want you to have a good testimony so that people see your good works, say, there's a Christian, I want to go to that church. Just, just like I shared with my brother about my brother-in-law the other day at Walga. That fella said, I looked at Bill Locke and Joe Lamack on, the, on making the roads in Canberra when they were doing it, and he said, that's Christianity. And when they invited him to church, he jumped at it and, got, and he got saved straight away. He said it was their behaviour that showed me that they were Christians and they were honest. In fact, I, I phoned Joe and he said, oh, yeah, I remember him, redhead. I said, no, he's got grey hair now. But he's, you know, he, <clears throat> he, um, he remembered him. He, and he eventually drove the buses for the churches up there, the double-decker one that Bill, Cochran, Bill Cochran had. The big double-decker bus, they went around Canberra kick, picking up kids. And he said, we had a fleet of about, it was over six buses. So, and they got 350 kids to church in Canberra. This is about 40 years ago. They got them into, they're a bit, a bit Jack Hilesy, that you, you know that. <laughs> but <clears throat> there was that testimony. And we need to have that. Bad testimony is a bad thing. Good testimony, yes, you can... People can see now we're out of time. Um, think of Joseph. Did he have reason to complain all the way through, <laughs> except for when he was home? And I, I noticed something as I went and read through it again, and I looked for the word servant. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 13 and 14, he was a servant in his father's house. When dad said, Go out to your brothers and take them food. And that, he just up and went. And he, he kept on hunting until he found them because they'd moved on to somewhere else. And he was conspired against. The, <laughs> I heard one girl, one well, grown lady, talk about another girl in our church, her sister. This is years ago. Oh, Mr. Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. You know, she obeyed mum and dad, but the other one didn't. And that's what she called her sister, Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes or something. <laughs> oh, right, OK, I can see how it works there. But Joseph was, if anyone, <laughs> Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, who did what his dad wanted. He served in the house. Young people, that's where it starts, minister in the house. He was a servant <clears throat> in part of his house, although he was sold as a slave, and that's in chapter 39 and verse 17. He was a, it says he was a servant in part of his house. And what did he do? Oh, brother sold me, I'm mad. I don't want to do anything in part of his house. No, no, no. No. He got in there and did it his, and he was straight to the top. Then he was lied against as a part of his wife did what she did to him. Did that create a bad attitude in his heart? No, you see, everything was wrong. He had every reason 
to think wrong and to have a bad attitude. Then he was put in prison, wasn't he? And in chapter 41 and verse 12, it said he was a servant in the prison. (laughs) And when the two guys come in, Butler and Baker, he prophesied and one lost his head and one got his job back. Was elevated. But he was totally forgotten about. (laughs) This business of being a servant isn't good. You know, he was in there for 10 years in going through this as a young man who doesn't have a lot of patience, usually, young men. And um, he was forgotten, chapter 40, verse 23, 41, verse 9. And then he was elevated in one day from being in prison to being the servant in the house of Pharaoh, second in command. (laughs) He revealed the dream. And, and it's interesting, when he revealed the dream, I don't think in Joseph's head he was thinking now, he's going to elevate me, so I'll tell, because Pharaoh said, what should we do? How can we work this situation out? You know, seven years of good, seven years of bad. And, and Joseph said, look, select a trusted man to can, that'll do this and do that and be a, you know, a good man that will save Egypt. He didn't know he was describing... He was writing his own job description. <laughs> really, that's what he was doing. He wrote out and he did... He, he gave it and he wasn't thinking about... Oh, I'm sure he wasn't thinking about himself. And see, Pharaoh said, you're the guy. <laughs> we'll take you. Wow. <laughs> I just wrote out my job description for being second in charge. And because he learned to be, for 10 years, submissive servant. And then you go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we should leave that. There's chapters and chapters in the Bible. All through the New Testament, it talks about service. Christ come not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Go thou and do likewise. Happy are ye if you do these things. These are the things that are mentioned. And the whole chapter, chapter 13 of John is given to that thought of servanthood. So, is it important? Very. For the Christian... It's, it's the opposite to our nature as humans. But we can learn from the slaves and servants of the New Testament. Submission is the way to go. And if the boss treats you bad all the way, when, like Joseph, you did all the right things, God knows. And great will be your reward in heaven. That's where it's all going to count anyway. <laughs> Not so much down here. Um, <clears throat> There's some thoughts. Practical book, isn't it? The Bible. And um, all the truths contained therein.